Blog Talk Radio. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You've heard about it. You've read about it. You've talked about it. And now you've found it. This is Alan Smith's Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio, the largest radio social network in the world, with your hosts, Alan and Donna Smith, focusing on driver health, careers, regulations, and the important issues facing the industry. It's time to shut down that big rig, sit back, and come join the conversation. Ask the Trucker Live begins right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Trucker Live on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we are having trucking, our trucking open forum, and we'll be opening up with a topic of speed limiter. Today is Saturday, September 17, 2016, and I'm Alan Smith, of course, along with my co-host Donna Smith, and tonight we're going to open with a topic which has been in the winds for really over a decade mandating speed limiters on large trucks and as a matter of fact back in 2008 we had a show on speed limiters and the speed limiter attention had come alive in 2006 after both the ATA and Road Safe America submitted petitions to the NHTSA requesting a rule making be put in progress for speed limiters and then on January uh, I believe 26 2007 NHTSA and FMCSA responded to these petitions in a joint request for comments notice in the Federal Register and that that was to uh, of course seeking public comments on the petitions and shortly after we had a lively discussion on the topic but things uh, seemed to go quiet for a while and then on January 13 or January 3rd 2011 NHTSA published a notice granting the petitions for rulemaking and announced that the agency would initiate the rulemaking process with an NPRM, a Notice of Proposed Rulemaking. Then the agencies uh, using data over a 10-year period between 2004 and 2013 uh, provided by the Fatality Analysis Reporting System and the National Automotive Sampling System General Estimate System, uh, this crash data, they examined it and they examined crashes involving heavy vehicles. And their conclusion, the agency's analysis found that crashes involving heavy vehicles traveling faster are more deadly than crashes involving heavy vehicles traveling at lower speeds. But many had, many of them out there had, had problems with this data. So here we are back again today, 2016, and the uh, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration released their notice of proposed rulemaking on August 26th and seeking to mandate speed limiters on heavy-duty trucks. So here we go again. So comments were opened up on September 7th. It's going to run for 60 days, closing November 7th. And both the ATA and OIDA have requested an extension of that 60 days. But I'll tell you this, looking at the portal, right now, last time I looked, there were over 1,800 comments so far. So tonight we want to discuss a few things, 
including the benefits and, and dangers of speed limiters, or pros and cons, so to speak. So we also want to discuss what do you think is a real motive that the ATA has for speed limiters and how many of you think it's safety. A topic of a great concern also is speed differentials and there's many studies which have been conducted in indicating that by creating differential speeds among automobiles and the big trucks, these speed variances among vehicles greatly increase the risk of crash. And if you've been driving for a while OTR out on the road with the big trucks, uh, you can probably attest to that, probably as I could. So there are other concerns such as reducing truck speed will ultimately uh, have the potential to create rolling roadblocks. And also there will obviously be a need for more trucks on the road as lower truck speed means less productivity. And what about more congested highways? More trucks means higher risk for accidents. And, and uh, I think Donna threw out the, um, the variable of how about road rage? We already see that quite a bit. So what about truck parking? We're already in a crisis, they say. So, And, of course, what about truck driver wages? Drivers are already fighting a 14-hour clock, so when you combine peace wages with a 14-hour clock, hours of waiting at shippers and receivers uh, eating up the clock, and combine that with speed limiters, which most likely will not allow you to go the legal speed limit, it could be a nightmare. So what will you do? Make up time by going faster on other roads with lower speed limits? Well, so many things going on with just this one issue. We'll also be touching on the benefits such as fuel savings and the carrier's ability to control new and inexperienced drivers. We can get into that a little bit also. So, and hey, and also we're looking forward to uh, hopefully hearing from uh, truck driver Rod Hannafy. And Rod will be attempting to call in from Australia. He wrote me and said he wants to share with us how speed limiters have affected Australia. And he also writes for one of the trucking magazines in Australia and promotes a road transport industry and road safety. So uh, if you have any questions, comments, ideas, suggestions, you'd like to join in the conversation, our number to call in is 347-826-9170. And make sure you press 1 on your keypad after uh, dialing in, and that will let me know that you'd like to be a part of the program. So. We'll take a quick break and we will get started with tonight's open forum. So hang tight and we'll get rolling here in just a second. You're listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith on Blog Talk Radio. Don't go anywhere. Alan and Donna will be right back. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. 
That's LoneMountainTruck.com. This is Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. To be a part of the program, call in now at 347-826-9170. Skype users can call in by clicking on the Skype button on our show page. To be a sponsor of the show, email Donna at info at askthetrucker.com. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back. And uh, Donna, we'll get you to jump in here too. We uh, got the uh, board here filling up. We've got New York, Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, Missouri, as far as I could get. I already got some uh, callers we'll get on here to get the ball rolling. But this is, uh, like we said in the beginning, this has been going on for a while, and here we are again. Yeah, I know. it's it seems like yesterday i know that's such a cliche you know but i i remember that show on speed limiters and um maybe we can post it later to see what's different you know what's going on then and now because i remember people were pretty furious back then uh uh, just the thought of speed limiters and then it kind of died down and and you know nothing was really going on of course they they had that that 1991 um it was. Uh, let me see if I can find. Oh, yeah, the commercial motor vehicle. Um, speed control devices. No. The report uh, on NH. Yeah, it was a. It was a. The the report that pretty much said that you know it's um, the speed limit's 55. Don't forget in 91. So when they looked at everything, they really didn't think it was, uh, you know worth it to to go ahead but then now things have changed and the funny thing is they're using uh the same the same data that they did in 91 because uh i think they i think what it was was they said they there's not enough um funding you might as well just use the same data uh to go ahead and and try to get the the stats because everything's different now but they did go ahead and do that extra study you were talking about that 2004 to 2013 one so anyway um well we can go over all that tonight i know um from the feedback on um on facebook it looked like there was you know quite a few people that wanted to get involved uh on the other hand you know it's hard for drivers and a lot of them just listen to the replay but i hope we do have some people i peeked over your shoulder there and i saw the switchboards full but i couldn't see if anybody had their hand up (laughs) yep already have a few with their hands up and more are coming on here too uh so far just listening but um yeah we'll get it uh we'll get it going speed limiter open forum the pros and cons so we'll just get the ball rolling like oh we got some more coming up so let me just open up the lines and we'll just see what's going let's see who's been here on the longest uh and probably just open them all up. Um, uh, let's go to, uh, come on, open up there. Uh, New York, area code 716. Uh, welcome to the show. Who we got here? Uh, this is Adam Lard calling in. How are you? Hey, Adam. Good, good. <laughs> Glad to have you. Let me open up. We'll just kind of, everybody can kind of jump in when they want. And let's see, let me go ahead, because I lose track here when there's this many people on here. I'm going to Put your name here so I know who we're talking to, Adam. And uh, let's open up line, uh, let's see, area code 901 out of Tennessee. Welcome to the show. Good evening, Mr. Jerry Fritz. Hey, Jerry. How are you? I, I know, uh, you know, this is great because um, 
Adam, I saw your comment on Twitter, and okay. you said you're for speed limiters. So yes, I am. Well, that's good. Yeah, I, you're probably going to be in a minority tonight, but that's okay. So, yeah. you know. We, that's okay, though, because <laughs> we, we, we don't attack people on the show. So. <laughs> And uh, so, hey, it's good. It's good to hear both sides and our listeners. And we still have a, you know, we still get quite a few, uh, you know, newcomers to the industry. So, I mean, it's good. It uh, lets them hear both sides. Let me open up one more here that's been on here. We'll have just three to get the ball rolling. Out of Missouri, area code 417. Welcome to the show. Who we got here? Hey, Alan, it's Hal. Oh, hey, Hal. Okay. Hey, Hal. All right, let me go here and all right. So all uh, got all your lines uh, open there. So just feel free to jump in when you like and everything. But Adam, let's. Uh, you're the one that was holding the longest. Let Let's start with you. What do you think about the speed limiters? And uh, as Donna said, you were for them. So uh, what's your thoughts on this whole issue? Yes, I'm definitely for them, but not just for trucks. I think all vehicles go too fast. I would like to see speed limiters on cars. I'd like to see them on motorcycles. And I just like to see the speed of traffic brought down overall. I just think everybody's going too fast. So I myself, my truck is limited to 63 because of my company, and I have no complaints. Um, the other thing I like about it, too, is that once we get electronic logs, it'll really help to level the playing field so that the carriers that will drive really fast and cheat on the logs, they won't be taking business away from me anymore. So those are the two main points. Okay. Well, um, you know, one of the one of the thank you for that. Uh, one of the problems that, um, and Alan, you know more about this than I do because you're a driver. One of the biggest problems uh, that if everybody was mandated seems to be this um, speed differential. Uh, now, you know, you drive mostly in Canada, is it? If I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes, okay. Now, do you We're, have as many tr- trucks up there as we do down here? Well, I don't know if we do, but we've had in the province of Ontario the speed limiter in effect for a number of years now. But the amazing thing mm-hmm. is Ontario-plated trucks are still going way faster. There just seems to be a lack of enforcement, and I'm afraid that if speed limiters come to America, the same thing will happen. People will just change the settings in their computer and they'll keep going that speed, and they just won't get caught because there's just no real enforcement north of the border. Okay, because um, I think what the proposed rule over here was saying that they're going to have a way to, you know, check that. Um, like if you pull over to the scales or something, uh, they're going to be able to do that. Uh, I forgot what it's called. I can't remember, you know, all the – you could go right to the government site because it explains all that. You're talking about the OBD connection, the onboard yeah. diagnostic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know if you guys have that over there. But I'm just wondering um, about the traffic, and the reason is because, um, you know, h- how do you think the speed differential would, would work out over there if everybody – was um you know let's say set at 63 but the what are your highways what's your limits on your highways up there it's 62 miles an hour are your i mean your your state highways your country yep, highways 62. okay well, country That's, highways will be lower 
Okay. Well, see, I can see that would be a, a big difference, Alan, because over here it's, what, 75, 80? Anywhere from 65 to 85. So. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, for you guys, that would probably work perfect because you're you're actually, you know, everybody's running the same speed and it prevents you from speeding, but you're not going to have mm-hmm. that speed differential. And down here, when you, your highways, like I'm here in Florida, and it's 75 uh, on a lot of the highways. In Texas, I know it's 85. So you start putting trucks out at 65 or 63, and everybody else is going higher. Alan, what happens? I mean, what's some of the things that could happen on the road uh, with, you know, you, you got, <laughs> I, I, I just can't imagine. You know, you'll have, like, all this traffic jammed up. Yeah, you're talking about the rolling roadblocks. Yeah. Then you also see the, you know, rear end collisions. And, I mean, mean, hauling gas up and down 75, can't tell you how many, you know, rear end crashes I saw, uh, you know, because somebody was driving slower, somebody was driving faster, and they were all getting jammed up, mostly getting jammed up near the exits and the rest areas because people tended to slow down. But it was a mess out there sometime. But it's interesting, too, what Adam was saying if everybody lowered it and everything, and we'll get Jerry and Hal in here too, but um, some of the things that, like Road Safety America has uh, brought up in their press release statement has actually been challenged and proven wrong, and one of them kind of correlates with what Adam was telling us, because Road Safe America, for one instance, was saying that a FMCSA report found that 40.3% of all fatal crashes involving large trucks in 2014 were at speeds of 60 miles per hour or higher. But the truth is the 2015 FARS, FARS, demonstrates that of the fatal crashes involving large trucks in which the travel speed was reported, 80% occurred below 55 miles per hour. Right. So, uh, you know, the speed differential thing, I mean, it can work both ways. Well, yep, and I can see Adam's point for his country, though, because their highways are the same as the speed limiters. Sure. So it works perfect. You don't have a differential. You come down here, though, and you've got highways of 75, then you've got two trucks, you know, trying to pass one another, holding up, and and now you're blocking traffic and all. Can you picture the road rage from these uh, cars? You know, I mean, I saw a video, Alan, the other day on Facebook where two trucks were on the road, one on the, you know, it was a two-lane highway, one, you know, left, one on right, and the guy didn't want to wait anymore. Mm -hmm. So he went, like, on the right side, you know, like where you park, you know, if you broke down, how you on the right little lane, he -hmm. tried to squeeze in there, and lo and behold, there was somebody there. So he smashed right into them. So, I mean, I could just see all kinds. I want to just read something, uh, something J.B. Hunt on the petition, that petition, I guess, from the 2006 request. Um, they they said another, uh, let's see, commented that differential speed between cars and large trucks will result from trucks being equipped with speed-limiting devices set below the posted speed, and uh, this differential may cause a safety hazard. 
Now, of course, they did go on to say that J.B. Hunt believes that the current safety hazard caused by large trucks traveling at speeds in excess of posted limits is a greater concern, and that's their opinion. But even they, you know, acknowledged. Um, and another another thing, I, I just I want I know you want to get your callers in, but um, another thing I found very intriguing was uh, uh, Ohio was going to, you know, raise their speed limits, and the ATA uh, thought it, you know, it would be dangerous because then it would, you know, um, the trucks would be going slower and that they shouldn't do it for this exact, exact same thing that we're talking about now. And the irony behind that is they didn't want Ohio to raise their limits so that it wouldn't uh, cause this kind of uh, dilemma. And yet they want speed limiters, which can cause the same thing that they were trying to uh, avoid from Ohio. So um, anyway, I'm, that's about all I'm going to say now because I know you want to open up the lines, and I know Jerry has a lot to say, and Hal, Hal, Hal was all excited. I saw you on Facebook, Hal. You made a comment. So we're yeah. going to get you guys on. Thanks so much, Adam. Uh um, did you want to say anything, you know, else about that, or? Um, yeah, well, yeah. Just leave the line. Um, I just for the. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just in terms of the speed differentials, that's why I want the speed limiters also on cars and on motorcycles, so that we all got the same maximum speed. Uh, I agree. Yep. I totally agree. But you know what? I I didn't think it's going to be uh, a cold day, you know where, before that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was just looking here. I mean, uh, and another thing to compare Canada with the United States, uh, Canada has, uh, I don't know what year this is, but it's saying Canada has uh, like 250,000 trucks. Uh, here in the United States, there's approximately 3.5 million truck drivers, and according to uh the U.S. Department of Transportation in 2012, there were more than 133 million total trucks in the United States. So I think there's a, a, a big variance, too, in the number of trucks in the United States versus Canada. So that could play in there, too. But, uh, Jerry, Jerry, jump in here. And, Adam, you're more than welcome to hang on. I'll just leave your uh, line open if you like. And, Hal, you can jump in, too. Uh, Jerry, you were the next one. But... All your lines are still open, so just feel free to jump in. But, Jerry, uh, welcome to the show again. Yes, good evening again. By the way, I'd like <laughs> to state my case. I'm third generation. I've only been out here 50 years, by the way. Is and that I all? Run all yeah, that's it. I'm still working on, you know, just, I don't want to retire because I'm just getting it figured out. Yeah. But, uh, really also interesting when it comes to the Canadian thing, the Canadian Western provinces absolutely do not agree to this, don't even want to get close to it. Now, I run basically west of Mississippi most of the time. Now, one of the things on the speed limiters here that I'm kind of having fun with, they are not getting anywhere near achieving what they want to achieve. Remember, they're going to limit the truck to 65. They are not changing the posted speed limits. Right. So the 
the truck, now I'm going to, if they go to this, I'll go to 530 horsepower instead of 506, and I'll do 65 miles an hour uphill and down, because I base my profitability on how well I use my hours, the value of the hour, the value of a log hour. So now I will be the heavier truck as we start up a grade, and I have a little truck lighter to me, J.B. Hunter or somebody, and as we start up the grade, it's likely I'll get up alongside of him. He's just thinking about everybody will be the same speed, so therefore there will be no passing. That is absolutely true if everybody was geared the same, if everybody had the same horsepower, everybody was pulling the same load, and everybody had the same wind resistance. Then nobody would ever pass anybody. But we know yeah. we have uphill and down. The light load will be passing the heavier load. But as we get to the top of the grade, here's where the kind of the humor. You know how I really, really dislike the short-sighted nincompoop thinking of truckload management. And that is primarily the people uh, advocating this. Well, they didn't change the speed limit. So in Wyoming, when I start down off the last grade going west of Elk Mountain there, with a heavy load, 306 rear end, I can let the truck run up to 1,600, 1,700 RPMs or 80 miles an hour legally. Mm -hmm. Remember, they've only limited how fast the truck can mechanically go. They haven't changed speed limits. So just for fun, I've been saying to friends, hey, we're going to create a new business. We're going to start a nationwide train of wrecker services, medical clinics, and mortuaries at the bottom of every long mountain in the country. Yeah. Wow. That's because kind of, everybody's that's kind been, of sad. But... Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm making my point that way. Because when they get to a downhill grade, and we don't even have to throw them out of gear anymore. Because we got the you know the low number of rents, still doing mm-hmm. sixteen hundred RPMs is eighty miles an hour. Eighty miles an hour is legal in Wyoming, so they have not solved the problem. Also, another way they have not solved the problem, and Alan's right, most of the accidents occur on not limited access highways, but crossroads, U.S. highways, in the towns. How are they going to slow the trucks down? Like right here in Tennessee, it's 50 miles an hour on two-lane highways. So the guy that's mm-hmm. been stuck in ice seat, and I know there are others out here who want to disagree with me, but I can actually show you a private carrier I had to get on the radio the other day and chew his butt out at by Buell, Nebraska, because I'm running this speed limit, 65 miles an hour in a construction zone. It's wide open. But that's all those so the same area where there were six people killed the other day by a truck driver not paying attention, distracted, never even hit the brakes and killed three babies and two ad- and three adults. Oh that and, and he was doing the speed limit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was running less than more than the speed, than the speed limit. limit that you have to think about. Now, here, right? here's another thing they want to think about with slowing the truck's way down. We see him every day. The guy we passed in one of the big fleets with his left foot up on the dashboard. See, oh, the, yeah. slower you, the slower you go, you get this false sense of security. 
Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm running 70 or 75 across Wyoming and Nebraska and places like that, which is a speed limit, I have to be engaged. I have to be paying attention. I have to raise my vision further out ahead of me because I'm eating up that real estate that fast. I don't have time to play with this and to play with that. I don't have time to be distracted. So they think that because they're going so slow, they're that much safer. So I'm going to go mm-hmm. the contrarian thing, and you saw the, the article I just wrote. That has to do with the Now, which article is that? that? Because you've been writing a, uh, a lot. All right, on the productivity. Now, when we oh, the, the, the PDF by, you sent? Yeah. When we reduce okay. the speed limit by 10 miles an hour, we've cut the productivity per unit by 15%. Now, that would be fine if we cut demand by 15%. We aren't just out here logging miles. We aren't on vacation. In a way, now I am getting sidetracked. In a way, see, the trucking companies don't decide. We in the trucking industry really don't abstractly decide how many trucks we're going to buy. We buy as many as meets the demand. The amount of freight flowing actually determines how many units power that we need to have in the economy. So if we cut the availability or the productivity by 15%, demand did not get cut by 15%. We still have to move the demand. Now, the only way we can accomplish that, we need 15% more trucks just to get back to equilibrium. Now, in my article, you'll see it's kind of interesting that 15% will probably show it in about 25 of the more industrialized states. It won't be South Dakota, North Dakota. We'll take New Jersey, for example. So a 15% reduction, and uh, let me go back to C.H. Robinson. It did a nice white paper report here recently. They took the LTL carriers out and other entities really aren't in the freight business. They got down to basically the truckload market. They found in their study that 89% of the truckload carriers were carriers that were 50 trucks or less. They are the ones that will be standing against us. 50 trucks less. All right, that's 890,000 trucks. 15% of the 100 or 890,000 trucks we will need as of the day this law would pass because the freight still has to move. The demand factor is still there. We will then need 133,500 more trucks to do the same work that the 890,000 trucks are doing right now. Right. So if 25 of the industrialized states get most of that demand, that will be uh, 5,340 trucks for every one of those 2,500 states we need. So let's play a game. Gee, let's get a look at that. What would that be? Well, the average truck is 72 feet long. And we would need 5,340 more trucks for New Jersey every day. That is the same distance. That is 73 miles of tractor and trailers bumper to bumper, one mile further than the distance from the Stroudsburg Bridge at the Delaware Water Gap to the George Washington Bridge every single day. 
You there? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought we lost point. you there. So, so that, that's the view. Every okay. day you would need a line that will be equal to the running from one end of New Jersey, one side of New Jersey to the other. And that would be the same in another 24, 25 states. Mm-hmm. So now more congestion guarantees more accidents. And remember, this well, whole law isn't a, this law is about reducing that was there, using a term, the reducing the severity of the accidents, really. They have it going in. This is another thing that makes no sense. Truckload manager, I can't wait till the day that, that somebody wakes them up. They aren't trying to reduce crashes. They're trying to reduce the severity of the crashes. Okay, let's say you reduce the crashes, uh, the severity by 10%. But you have 15% more accidents, you haven't gained anything. And you're guaranteed to have more accidents if you have more congestion. And it's congestion that isn't even needed because right now we are serving demand in the marketplace. They figure, well, right about equilibrium. We've got just about the right number of trucks for the right number of freight. It's just bouncing back and forth. I know this because I worked the spot market. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to need 15% more trucks. If you slow me down from 75 to 65, coming across South Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska, and other states where it's legal, and by the way, get up in South Dakota at 4.30 in the morning at Sioux Falls or uh, Sioux City, Iowa. Go north on 29 and start west on 90, about 4.30 in the morning, you won't see but two or three cars or trucks going your way for the next two or three hours. There is that little bit of traffic density. So none of this, but basically, I'll end it with this, Alan. Basically, they haven't achieved what they thought. They thought they were going to slow all trucks down to 65 miles an hour no matter what. I guarantee you. Coming off any of the mountains, those same trucks, and they won't be. They won't run them a ticket because the speed limit didn't change. Right. Well, I mean, the point I get from you, and you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, is I mean, I, I think they're just missing the whole point here. They keep trying to come up with you know new rules, new regulations to make things safer, but I don't think they're really looking at the, you know, the whole whole picture. We'll put, we'll bring Hal in here. And then I've got something here for Adam. I'd like uh, Adam like for you to think about, and then I get back because I'm just you know since you're in Canada, do a lot of driving in Canada. I'd like to get your thoughts on, but uh, and and Jerry, your line is still open, so feel free to jump in okay. at any time. But Hal, I'm thinking, you know, they keep trying to uh, just come up with you know more regulations, more regulations to make things safe, and I, not really looking at the entire whole picture. And one example is like Road Safe America. Road Safe America made the statement that the uh, the number of crashes involving heavy commercial trucks has increased 44% since 2009. But the truth of the fact is since the inception of CSA in 2010, and we all know CSA was supposed to make things safer, large truck crashes have increased 54.5% as opposed to the five years prior to CSA, where collisions actually decreased 32.5% between 2005 and 2009. And then for, uh, for Adam there in Canada, uh, Road Safe America, they, they 
they made the point where the United States lags behind the rest of the technology advanced world in, in this area, and they talked about populous Canadian provinces, as, as um, Jerry had pointed out too, specifically Ontario and Quebec, all require speed governors to be set on the heavy commercial vehicles, and, uh, and uh, they made the statement that a recent report from Ontario states that big rig fatal crashes reduced 24% after they began the required settings on these speed limiters. But according to the own 2014 Ontario, Ontario uh, Road Safety Annual Report, large truck fatal collisions increased 11% since the inception of speed limiters. So, Adam, I'll let you think about that. I'd like to just get your thoughts on that. But, but how? what do you think? I mean, the CSA was supposed to make it safer. It didn't. Now they're coming in with the speed limiters. Um, haven't heard from you yet. What's your thoughts on all this? Oh, you know, and to Adam, I, I, you know, I applaud him to a point. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see. I've said it my own self. I'd like to see if they're going to go ahead and reduce the speed limit on big trucks anything over 26,000 pounds, they might just well reduce the speed on everybody. You know, I'd like to see law enforcement back out there like they used to be before 9-11, where there was actual enforcement on the highways in order to keep people slowed down. It was a lot more civil back then. Today, it's gotten so out of hand that, I mean, it's bad enough already. You go down the road, whether the speed limit's 65, 70, 80, uh, Car traffic alone is still doing anywhere from 15 to 25 miles an hour above the speed limit. Plus, uh, you know, it, people have become more and more erratic with their driving over the past. Well, there's a lot more distractions too. Well, yeah, I mean, they've got they got their they've got their cell phones, and then now they're able to text, and now they're able to get on right. Facebook while they're going down the road. Right. They got all these things going on down the road, and I see it all the time. I wish my dash cam would record more than just an hour and a half, because I could post some stuff on Facebook and video that would just blow your mind. As to I, what I've I, seen and, and, on the road, the way people drive, and and the things they do while they're driving on the road. And it's not just automobile drivers or smaller vehicle drivers. They're our own people. Truck drivers are even doing this stuff. You know, I've seen truck drivers going down the road with a darn computer and a laptop open up on, in, on the dash of their truck watching movies while they're going down the road. It's nuts. Wow. But the thing is, That's yeah, crazy. CSA was intended in order to reduce a lot of the, you know, in order to make things safer. It didn't. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, it just added points and stuff and penalties. It made it, it made uh, companies more accountable, and yeah, they were fine. able to, you know, uh, catch people, if you will, uh, for yeah. for different for the basics and everything. But you know, th- there's so many when you do a study, okay. If you just say, okay, we're going to measure the crashes after speed limiters are put in, and oh. It's so difficult because now there's so many variables also that you have to take into consideration, one of them yep. being distractions, okay? Yep. So if 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 there's more crashes, 
then you have to say, okay, is that due to the lack of speed limiters or is that distractions? Is And then if you put the speed limiters in uh, and, and there's, you know, let's say there's an increase, you still have to take into consideration every other variable. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure, the, I mean, these people do studies all the time, and I, and I know that they, they must have thought about this already. But it's going to be a lot more difficult, I think, in my opinion, to do these kinds of studies. And, um, I, you know, well, one of the things that um, uh, I'm, I'm looking in my notes now, it was, Oh, uh, as far as what trucks are going to have these speed uh, limiters. And I think a lot of people think it was just new trucks. But actually, um, go ahead. The way it's written, that's the way they've got it written, that's what it looks like. Any new trucks. It does look what what it looks like. And Road Safe America. Let me just read uh, something to you. Um, Steve Owings, who's um, the co-founder of Road Safe America, uh, had a press release, and they called for the FMCSA to go further than installing speed limiters on just new trucks. So he read it that way also. So we dug a little bit into that. And you can look at this yourself, everybody on the link where you make the comments, where they have the actual summary and extended summary. I mean, it goes on and on if you really want to know the details of this. And so he put a press release out and says, electronic speed governors have been built into heavy commercial trucks for two decades, so there's absolutely no reason why the new rules shouldn't be mandated for those big rigs also. And uh, the answer is, if you dig in there, uh, the agencies are seeking comment for speed limiters on all trucks with available devices. Um, and they go on to say as an alternative to a retrofit requirement, the agencies are also requesting comment on whether to extend the set speed requirement only to all CMVs with a, a GVR weight of more than 26,000 pounds that are already equipped with a speed-limiting device. And then they go on further to say that the cost of uh, proposed FMVSS to vehicle manufacturers is expected to be minimal. Um, as discussed before, most vehicles and here it is, to which the proposed FMVSS would apply are already equipped with electronic engine controls, which include the capability to limit the speed of the vehicle, but may not have these controls turned on automatically. So since 1999, trucks have been able to be limited, governed, their speed. So they did touch on that. They're looking for comments on that. They're saying, they actually said we're seeking comments. So um, I guess that's his comment. He thinks it should be on all trucks, and most trucks are able to have them. Um, also, the other thing, um, Alan, I don't think they set an exact speed uh, that they want to set them at. 
right now? Well, they're looking at 60, 65, and 68. Okay. Right? Right. Right. I I, I mean, that's what I heard, too. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, so the uh, NHTSA, the the set speed is to be determined. So um, uh, we'll just see what happens. Right now, they're, they're just getting the comments and everything, and... You know, I was looking through my notes here and how to get back to you, and I still want to get back to Adam, but the, um, um, you know, Hal was talking about the uh, automobiles and everything, and, of course, they're not going to, they're not going to do that with automobiles, the four-wheelers. Uh, it's another thing where Road Safe America has been reviewed in some of their statements. They, they made the statements that, uh, you know, the big, tricks, the big trucks, represent about 1% of all vehicles on American roads, yet 18% of fatal multi-vehicle crashes involve the big rigs. The actual truth is, while large trucks represented 12% of fatal crashes, and that was in 2014, they also represented represented, uh, 9% of the total vehicle miles traveled in the U.S., which obviously demonstrates, you know, they have a high rate of exposure out there, so... But in addition, several research groups and organizations, uh, such as CBSA was one of them, uh, we, all know the, we all know the thing where they say, you know, it's stated that 70% of accidents involving a truck and passenger vehicle are actually the fault of the passenger vehicle. So uh, how that's another thing that I see where they're just not looking, they're not really looking at the truth at all of that where, you know, all the, real data is out there it just seems like they're just they're focusing on the big rigs the truck drivers but they're not really looking at actual data that has been you know compiled from some of these other groups and organizations um, you know one, one thing i i want to mention and for everybody listening um a lot of these safety groups you have to understand that uh many of the founders have lost loved ones so they have a lot of heart into this, and they they really do mean to improve the 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 roads for everybody. Um, I I can't even imagine you know losing a loved one like that, and so I I really respect everything they're doing. And to extend this a little further, I'll say this: the ATA has. Um, used them when it's handy for different rules and things that they want to achieve, such as HOS, ELDs, and now speed limiters. Um, but they don't, I'm looking on the, um, here it is, compensation. Did you? Does everybody know that Road Safe America is an advocate for higher wages for drivers. They understand what we're going through uh, or what drivers are going through as far as wages, detention time, uh, not being paid uh, for all their time. They believe in um, uh, overtime. I mean, if if you, I'm going to post this on the, um, because I'm on there now, on our page where the show is, and here it is. So everybody can see it. If you go to the radio show page, I just clicked a, a link. 
what I'm trying to get to is if driver they have a big voice, Road Safe America, and if drivers would join forces with them and really try to achieve safety using their voice along with the driver voice to achieve higher wages, which in fact, and this is a question I want to throw out to Alan, Hal, Adam, Jerry, everybody. If driver wages were fair, would all these um, issues of ELDs, speed limiters, really be that important? Do you, in other words, do you feel that they're always racing the clock to make more money and that's why they're so upset over the speed limiters? Uh, I, I'm just, I, I mean, that's just what's in my head now. Donna, I'd like to answer that. Donna, okay. this is Jerry. Yes. Donna, I came out of the, the old unionized business many, many years ago where the drivers were paid for all of their time, all the loading time, unloading time, terminal delay time. And those carriers back then, if I spent two hours at a terminal waiting for loading or unloading, and I logged that line one off-duty, I'd have been fired. Anytime you're required to be in readiness to perform work is on duty, not driving. Back then, I know this is so easy to say, but I swear on my father's grave, was a truck driver. The logbook was the driver's best friend. That's the first thing you learned when you moved into that professional arena in the industry. It kept the employers from working the drivers to death. Mm-hmm. Donna, also, I- you said uh, the different organizations that are behind us drivers. I, I've had conversations many years ago with Pat Eisner and her mm-hmm. husband of Parents Against Our Truckers. They, they just named their business wrong. You know, it isn't only, I want to share this with the drivers because it's still heavy on my heart. You mentioned about the driver tailgating me through the construction trucker, 62 mile hour fleet and uh, or 65. And uh, I came through Buell, Nebraska the day after the wreck. I saw the wreckage. Excuse me here. Mm-hmm. Where three babies, 28-year-old mother and father, and one motorist going the other way, were killed instantly, burned to death. I mm-hmm. saw the wreckage. And I realized what it was. And I've seen many wrecks over the years. And I had to call Tim Ridley on Sirius Radio here. Tim's a friend. He's a counselor in the military. I cried. I just, every time I thought about it for the next few days, I just turned to tears. Tim called a post-traumatic stress disorder. I just finally hit the one that went over the top for me. Right. So these things affect all of us. Right. And, right. Uh, they do. So there, and every time I come through there now, I see the burn spots in the road. And I can just, I put it into my mind too much. In fact, I've got another little thing. Maybe we'll talk about how we can support this family. They're on their way to Denver to become missionaries. Can you imagine that? Yeah. How are, The irony behind that one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So uh, I'd like to do something about that. Something to support that missionary. That mission, so they never, their mission never dies, in other words. But by the way, on the right. speed limits, here, here we go again. 
this is why there's so much superficial reactive thinking in truckload management. Now they're going to set, the way they set these computers, they set the RPMs on the engines. And according to the gearing, that should set you at 65. So the speed is limited due to the RPM potential on the engine. Well, I'm running, running low-profile 24-inch tires now. I can easily get another three miles an hour. I'll go back to running tall rubber, and even with the existing rubber on a truck, when you have new tires on a truck, you actually run faster for the RPM setting on the engine. When you get down to 5.30 seconds before you pull it off, it could be three or four miles an hour difference mm-hmm. than what the engine setting would have. So that makes no sense. They clearly have not thought any of this through. You're not going to right. You know what the best speed limiter is on a truck? Pay the, the driver. drivers by the hour. Pay the drivers by that, the well, hour. Well, that, that and was you'll the have point all the I was asking you. Want, uphill and downhill. I saw it because in my day, UPS used to pay their over-the-road drivers by the hour. APA trucking that is somewhere up in New Jersey used to pay their over-the-road drivers by the hour. That was back in the 55-mile-an-hour states. So the old R Model Max, they ran exactly 55-mile-an-hour whenever all the rest of us are out here running 60, 65, and 70. That mm-hmm. is the only real, effective, dependable speed-limited device. And that, and and that's what I was thinking. Hal, Adam, what do you think, Alan? You know, I, I yeah. Let me let me grab uh, and get back to Hal's too. I think he had some more to say. And mm-hmm. you know, everybody, your lines are still open. But um, I want to get Adam back in here. Are you still with us, Adam? Yes, I am. Hi. <laughs> All right. Thanks for hanging with us. Sometimes we uh, we kind of get a roll in here. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on what I mentioned earlier, and and then kind of what we're talking about right now. Uh, because, uh, you know, you drive in Canada, but the uh, Ontario Ontario Road Safety Annual Report in 2014 showed that uh, the large truck fatal collisions actually increased 11% since the inception of speed limiters. And secondly, uh, kind of what we're talking about now, OIDA came out with a statement, and of course they're against this, and they said that uh, they stated that driver compensation and the lack of uh, entry-level driver training contribute uh, more to the problem of driving at excessive speeds. Um, so I'm just going to get your thoughts on those two. I mean, are, are, yeah. could they, could they, could the agencies be missing this? I mean, would better CDL training reduce fatalities, or better than you know sticking everybody with speed limiters? Or just what's your thoughts? Well, exactly, absolutely. I think it comes down to personal responsibility and not blaming other people for your problems. So um, it's up to the driver uh, to make the right choice. And it doesn't matter how he's being paid, hourly, hourly, by the mile. He has to choose to follow the law. He has to choose not to follow too closely. And if you think of speed limiters as a piece of the puzzle, my previous truck had this thing on it by Bendex, that would use radar to tell the distance to the vehicle in front, and it would cut the uh, throttle on me if I got too close. So if we put speed limiters with other technologies such as this to mitigate rear end collision, you can really see how speed limiters would be a piece of the puzzle in overall safety. And I believe Hal and Donna really touched on the fact that 
since speed limiters came to Canada, a lot of technology came after that. People have their cell phones, people are texting, there's a lot more distracted driving. So I think, I don't think we can really say it was the speed limiters as right. the cause for the increase in crashes. I think we got to look at the whole picture. But there's I so really many variables to consider. Yeah, yeah, there, there really is. And I really think that we haven't even talked about another important thing is that if you slow down the truck, you're going to use less fuel. And um, the last time I checked, I think it's better for this continent to not have to rely on oil from dangerous parts of the world where there's always wars and conflicts. So if we can use less fuel by driving slower, there's enough fuel in Texas and Alberta. We shouldn't have to import oil because we're speeding truckers. So I would like to yeah, talk how's about that how pipeline fuel saving, going? Fuel saving, <laughs> you know. I would like that also to be considered, that we're going to save fuel. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Alan, yeah, did I get I, your question answered? Yeah, yeah, you did, and I appreciate it. Oh. Listen, I'm uh, we'll, uh, oh, didn't mean to cut you off there. i got to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and uh, continue the conversation and everything. Everybody just kind of hold it there, but... Uh, I'd like to welcome our latest Ask the Trucker Live radio partner, CPAP America. But before I do, I just want to mention on March 10th of 2016, the FMCSA and Federal Railroad Administration posted an advance notice of proposed rulemaking, the evaluation of safety-sensitive personnel for moderate to severe obstructive sleep apnea. So we're back on this sleep apnea thing again. The FMCSA requested public comments such as data and information and the potential consequences for the safety of rail and highway transportation, and there were 603 comments submitted. So more importantly, this means that it's more than likely that a new rule will be in the horizon for obstructive sleep apnea, so keep that in, that in mind from my humble opinion. And along with new rules, it's common to see this as an opportunity to profit. So because of this, we partnered with CPAP America, and they're a vetted and trusted provider of sleep apnea testing products and compliance. So listen, I'm going to take this quick break, tell you a little bit more. We'll come back, and, and we'll all pick up the conversation again right where we left off. Hang with us, and we'll be right Hey, back. Alan Smith here. Did you know that over 18 million Americans suffer from sleep apnea yearly? And this topic is on the radar with the FMCSA, and unfortunately, some are looking at this as a for-profit venture, not CPAP America. CPAP America was created by somebody who works in the respiratory field and wants to help drivers, not take advantage of them. Owner Ed Frost has been a respiratory therapist for over 25 years. And Mr. Frost has also managed 27 sleep labs and currently sits on the New Jersey State Board of Respiratory Care. Ed and his team are looking out for uninsured commercial drivers and those with high insurance deductibles who pay way too much out of pocket while making sure they are fully compliant. CPAP America offers drivers the very best prices in the industry for home sleep testing, CDL compliance, sleep apnea machines, and so much more. In fact, any customer who purchases a machine from CPAP America will receive free downloads for life. So call CPAP America for all your sleep apnea concerns at 800-569-0167 or visit them at CPAPAmerica.com. Have a question for them? You can find them on Facebook at CPAP America and Twitter at CPAP America. You can rest easy 
with CPAP America. That's 800-569-0167, CPAPamerica.com. And I just want to um, add to that, Alan, they have this uh, where you can take the test at home, and it's compliant. They have, you know, all kinds of uh, uh, ways so that, you know, people can't fudge it and things like that. So um, uh, hopefully they'll be on the show and they can talk to people uh, about it since the uh, it's really, I see it on the horizon also coming down the pike. I do too, and they're, they're, they're a great company. I highly recommend them, and, and uh, glad to have them on board here with us. So uh, uh, anyway, Adam, didn't mean to cut you off, but, yeah, you did answer the question, and, you know, that is a good point that everybody brings up. It, it, so much has changed in the variables and everything. So, uh, Donna, I mean, and that's kind of what I was trying to get to instead of just trying to keep throwing it. Here's another regulation. Here's another rule. Here's another regulation. They're, maybe they need to look at the – they should be looking at the whole picture and, and you know, trying to... Well, well, you know what I think? And um, I don't know what everybody else thinks. You know, I'd like to hear your opinion. I think the reason it took so long is because they were looking at the big picture. Could have been. And I think, in my opinion, that it's the pressure from uh, the ATA and the safety advocacy uh, groups that were pushing for this, and like I said before, I, I truly believe that the advocacy groups have a sincere motive. I question the motive of the ATA, and OIDA, I believe, even stated that, um, where they, they felt that it's really, you know, to equal the playing field, so to speak, so that, like, drivers would rather go to a company that didn't have a speed limiter uh, rather than because most of the uh, mega carriers all have uh, the the trucks governed. So this would kind of level. So the motives are different between the two. However, ATA has latched on to Road Safe America to make their case stronger Okay, because the claiming it is all about safety. Now, with that being said, I'd like to say that I don't know, and um, please tell me, anybody who's listening, and Alan, I know we've looked ourselves and we can't find it, the stats on new drivers of all these, you know, fatalities. Well, I would suggest in the comments that perhaps, the uh, mandate should be for drivers of less than a year. I mean, if if well, if, if, well, if you're going to go that route, which I agree, uh, it should be mandated for all training companies. Well, and and that's even even better, uh, right? Training companies because they're the ones that that train the new drivers. So perhaps that should be uh, where the mandate should come in. Um, Don, well, you've been we've been we've been saying this for quite a while. What is the percentage of fatalities caused by drivers with less than one year experience? And there's no data. If there is data, we can't find. it. I can't find it. You've we've. I remember five years ago we searched, and I still can't find it. So, what does everybody think? Who's you know whose lines are open? Uh, Donna, How do you feel about that? Well, Don, I, I, Donna, this is Jerry. Uh huh. Donna, I'd like to go, yeah, go back. Go ahead, Jerry. Then we'll get Alan out of it. 
This this always comes up, and it goes directly to congestion. Congestion equals lower fuel mileage, more trucks needed. I run my own company. Company drivers are always worried about our fuel mileage. Now watch this. See, that's a bean counter mentality. No, please, the the other gentleman, don't take it that way. But this is the way that a lot of the truckload people think. All right, I leave Memphis, Tennessee, Monday morning, going to Seattle, Washington. I can deliver Friday morning if I run right up to the speed limit. And by the way, I haven't had a speeding ticket since 1984 when I was a company driver. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. run right up to the maximum speed limit. I will burn an extra $140, $150 extra in fuel. Absolutely I will. And I'm going to make more money and be more efficient to the marketplace. Because watch this. Averaging 62 to Seattle, I can deliver legally and safely Friday morning. By Friday afternoon, I have reloaded on a load, oh, four, five, six hundred miles back into Montana. Now, when I get that load, sure, I slow down. I don't don't have to make up the difference. Now, because of my fixed cost. That trip back into Montana will pay $1,200, If I had only averaged 55 to 57 miles an hour, I could not deliver the Seattle load till Monday morning. So the marketplace would have needed another truck to make up for mm-hmm. the truck that was taking his good old time getting into Seattle to save $150 on fuel. So we will put that many more trucks. See, the, the company drivers don't see this. I mean, I know I'm burning an extra $150 of fuel, but my fixed costs are $1,100 a week. So if I can pick up an extra $1,400 in revenue relative to the $1,100 fixed cost, I'm five $600 ahead net. Not only that, I am now performing the job that we had to have another truck in Seattle to move that load. Now, because right. we put another truck in the marketplace, we've created more congestion, more capital costs, less efficient, and not one bit more safe. Right. And and But what do you think about, uh, you know, the idea that there's no stats on new drivers uh, to, you know, look look into those fatal accidents. I, I believe it came to a thousand a year, that study, Alan, that you were talking about, that two thousand four well, the, the Great the Great mm-hmm. Plains study done a number of years ago that I have a copy of here at the house. That was commissioned by the Truckload Carriers Association, the uh, Transportation Institute, the University of North Dakota did the study. You can't hardly get these stats because their study, by the way, the T C A never had it published because in the end, in the summary, after an extensive, I mean, this thing is half the thickness of a telephone book. You talk about a research study. And in the summary, on halfway down the last page, they indicted the truckload industry for being at 93% of the turnover problem was the fault of the truckload industry. That's when Lana Bates was president. They were going to reveal the study at their big annual meeting when they read the study and they saw they were being blamed for 93% of the turnover, they refused to release the study. But in that study, they showed 
the average new drivers in and out of the business in 3.2 years, and only 18% of the drivers have been on the road more than six years. Mm-hmm. So you almost can't get any stats. Who are you going to compare it with when in industry most of the drivers are in and out of it in 3.2 years, and you got an 82% turnover rate in a six-year period? you got nothing to compare it against. How are you going to compare new drivers against old when everybody's practically new and gone? Yeah, well, no, I'm just saying the accidents yeah. that, that occur, the fatal crashes, yeah. do they write down if the driver was uh, less than one year? Because well, having if, been in safety, there there is a number out here. They know that on the average, every new driver will have an accident in the first nine months. Okay, but but we don't know if it's fatal or a fender bender or what. Well, you because know, that, that's the point I'm making. Perhaps, perhaps yeah. you know, these this mandate should be for training companies. Well, you know, and um, any you know, of these I'm studies that saying. comes down to what, yeah, any of these studies that comes down, what was your hypothesis going in? In other words, what are you trying to prove or disprove? The same thing right. with what we're well, talking about now. Well, if you don't have the data, you can't prove anything. Yeah. Yeah, and then not only that, but what's your goal and what you're trying to prove? Same thing with mm-hmm. out here. I watched it across Idaho. Idaho used to be a pleasure to run across. Car speed was 65 or 70, trucks 65. Now it's 80 for cars. How many, see, we don't know this, and I see it all the time. Idaho has become very nerve-wracking to run across because a lot of the cars are still used to running 70, 72. So here comes these 62-mile-an-hour, England's big up there, and uh, Swift is big up there and all that because of the potato business. So now what happens is a lot of the cars haven't gotten up to 80 yet, and here's the trucks running 62 in the right lane. Well, here you got somebody who wants to run 80 miles an hour. They're now passing the cars on the right between the slow-moving trucks and whipping back in front of the cars, they're only running 75. So nobody's measuring how many accidents that we are not involved with are we causing because we're running too slow in many of the states. Right. Nobody's and, talking and about that's, that. And these are all the comments that need to be put in. And, I mean, like Alan said, how many, Alan, did you say, 1,800 are up there so far? Last time I looked, it was 1,800, and we've got – We've got to November seventh, so right. so uh, <laughs> but be big. I remember a time when there would be like five comments. Oh yeah, drivers are doing great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now all of a sudden it's in the thousands. So well, I know a lot of people jump on at seven p.m. on because I know when I do my Thursday evening health show, I see a lot more people jump on for some reason. So I just want to uh, remind people that if you're listening on your computer and you want to call in. The number is 347-826-9170. And if you want to be a part of the conversation, after you dial in, you have to click 1 on your keypad, and that alerts us that you want to come on the show. And the same thing if you've called in late to listen and you want to make a comment or ask a question or ask one of the people on the show a question, um, just click 1 on your uh, keypad, and that will raise your hand. So... Um, I'm, I'm just saying that it used to be have a recording that would tell you all that, but for some reason they don't tell you that. We have to keep telling you. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but. Oh, that's all right. Uh, Hal, did you have something you wanted to add? And Adam, we'll get to you too. Just kind of jump in 
I kind of, I kind of, I was going over my notes, Don. I kind of lost track. Well, I know there's just uh, so many things, and and but go ahead, Hal. I know how you wanted to say something before, and you're 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 you remind me of Alan because he's kind of polite too, and um, <laughs> you'll start saying something, and then you just kind of quiet down. Yeah, I start to say something, and somebody else jumps in, and I just shut my mouth and let them say what they got to say. Um, yeah, not like me. <laughs> uh, I just interrupt. Go ahead. Gary, Gary hit on some things. You know, yeah, you 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 increase the speed of the truck, or decrease the speed of the truck compared to the car, you get more interactions. I mean, there's been studies done on that. Pat Hockaday the other day when uh, this discussion kicked up real heavy on Facebook, I was like, wow, you know. <laughs> Pat brought up a bunch of different things, you know, studies in Michigan that were done uh, back in, I think, 06, maybe maybe, maybe later than that. And I vaguely remember something that was done by the University of Virginia back in the uh, mid to late 80s when they were discussing, when they investigated split speed limit states and what the results were and uh, University of Virginia if I remember correctly University of Virginia found two different factors at work with the split speed limits one uh, was well let's call it a minor thing today Uh, one was it was a money generating device for the states to be able, you know, to, you know, you catch a trucker going over 55 mile an hour, you know, uh, in a 55, 65 state, well, here's additional funds coming in. The other thing that they found was with the split speed limits, which is basically what we'd be going back to if they reduced the speeds on, on heavy vehicles, then with the split speed limits, there was a higher interaction of, of, there was a higher incidence of accidents and interactions between faster and slower moving vehicles. Uh, and that study even continued on. It's gone by some, uh, Pat made mention of it, a Dr. Solomon, uh, yes. or a David Solomon back in 1963. He stated that. That's which right. Went totally against, which went totally against what the ATA came up with. Where oh it'll it'll reduce the severity you know like like you've been saying and like I even read what the ATA proposed oh it'll reduce the severity of the accidents yeah okay that might be all well and fine it'll reduce the severity but what's it going to do with the the number of incidents that can and will take place I mean that's right well yeah. as far as the it, stats well, uh, what you just said about Solomon 1964. I printed out, and actually, it's a um, it's from OIDA, and they had an actual uh, paper called "Differential Speed Limits Make Roads Less Safe." And the yeah. first thing that you just mentioned was uh, in 1964, David Solomon wrote a report entitled "Accidents on the Main Rural Highways Related to uh, uh, Speed, Driver, and Vehicle," published by the Bureau of Public Roads. And it went on to say he collected data from uh, 11 uh, cooperating states on 600 miles, and the study recorded 10,000 drivers across two-lane and four-lane highways, 
and discovered vehicles. Now, here's the catch, okay? Vehicles traveling 10 to 15 miles per hour less than the average speed of all traffic had a much greater chance of being involved in a crash. And uh, Solomon presented his findings in a... um, in a, in a U-shaped type curve, which has now become uh, famous. And the same additional uh, studies were published to support Solomon's conclusion, such as the Interstate System Accident Research Study, published by the Bureau of Public Roads, which is now the FHWA, and the Commercial Motor Vehicle Speed Control Device is published in the 1991. That's that that study we were talking about earlier by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, which is part of this new proposed rule. So both confirmed that David Solomon, and I'm so glad you brought that up because uh, a lot lot of people are using this type of... of, um, U-curve that that he used to say if you go 10 miles, if you're driving 10 miles below, that's even, uh, that's worse than, you know, than going fast. So anyway, thank you, Hal, for bringing that up. Donna, Donna, that was the derivative off the average. In other words, 10% less than the average. The accident frequency was greater on the downside by 227%. Yep. Uh, yes, so, I read that. derivative from the average, you had a 227% more of a chance of being involved in an accident than if you were going 10% higher than the average speed. Yeah, and that was that was also found in 2005 by, by uh, 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 Stephen Johnson in University of Arkansas. He brought that same mm-hmm. thing up, same study. And it showed, you know, it differentiating speed, differentiating speeds uh, were shown to produce more interactions between vehicles. And it also found that a speed of an individual vehicle, as the speed of an individual vehicle deviates from the mean traffic speed or the highest, mm-hmm. the post limit on a highway, the number of interactions between vehicles increases, and the potential for being involved in ac- in accidents increases. And he goes on to state, you know, the what, what was it? Frequency of interactions with other vehicles by a vehicle traveling 10 miles an hour below the posted speed limit is like you and Donna both said, 227 percent higher. So mm-hmm. why reduce hey, and get speed this. on a heavy vehicle and not re- reduce the speed on other vehicles besides when this is such a strong possibility? Granted, you'll save money. On fuel, but dang it, when you try and compare the money to the lives and the money right. that could be lost due to these interactions and these accidents, where, where's the cost benefit? You know, and then plus the number of vehicles, like Jerry said, the number of vehicles that are going to have to be additional trucks, in other words, mm-hmm. that are going to have to be put on the road in order to make up for the lost time of a product being shipped from point A to point B. Is just going to make it that much more difficult. The congestion will continue to increase. The incidence of interactions between heavy and, and light vehicles is going to in, increase. Uh, I don't see in the least bit where the severity of a crash is going to 
changed at all, really, because when you're going slower and somebody slams into your backside, the severity just doubled. You know, it just increased. God knows by how no, how much. Hey, hey did, did all, you read? Did anybody hear all, this? Hey, um, Jerry, how the United oh, Kingdom, yeah. right? They had their um, 40 miles an hour, right? That's their their trucks were uh, governed at 40. They had to raise it to 50 in order to reduce risky overtake by frustrated car drivers. And this is a quote in that wow. same paper. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they had to raise it because of these problems that have occurred. So. Uh, Alan, I know you, you you're giving me, you have another caller. Yeah, well, uh, let me see where I, I was going to uh, let Adam jump in here for a second. Then we'll get a caller from Arkansas. But a lot of a lot of conversation has yeah. been going on, and Adam just thought you might have some thoughts. Yes, I have uh, two points. Um, the first point is let's think of the economy here. Uh, we talk about more trucks having to come on the road because of uh, the speed limiter thing. Well, that's fantastic. Um, more jobs at the manufacturing plant to make the truck, more jobs at the dealer to sell it, more jobs for mechanics to fix the truck, and more jobs uh, for people to get in the truck and start driving. So if slowing trucks down is going to put more trucks on the road, well, that's just going to grow the economy. And my second point is I don't always trust studies, but I do trust physics. A truck going 60 miles an hour will stop sooner than a truck going 75 miles an hour. So from the safety standpoint, a slower truck will stop sooner. And I think that makes it more safe. But those are my two quick points. Well, why don't we just go to 40 miles an hour then? Well, I mean, just go to 40 miles an hour. And if we're going to build more trucks and hire more people, that's inefficiency. That's inefficiency in the marketplace. Well, yeah. Adam, you're both right. To me, you're both right. It is inefficiency in the marketplace because you're having to add more and more and more people in order to accomplish the same job that could have been done by fewer people. All right, mm-hmm. just like big companies that produce, you know, that mass produce products, they use automation and less people in order to get the job done quicker and supposedly more efficiently. Uh, but and Adam, Adam is right in his point where yeah, you slow them down, it it does make it a little safer. All right, it can stop quicker. It doesn't take as much distance. Uh, yes, the severity of the crash can be limited, but it, it's just the, the overall part where you know, granted more jobs. The, di- the differential has is going to have its own increase in accidents. Yeah. The only way this is going to work is not so much to put limiters on everybody, but if you you lowered the speed limit. To whatever lower, the limiters were set at. Lower the speed limit overall, not just for the trucks, but for everybody. For everybody, and that's get, what I'm talking about. You know, and me being, All right, let me grab know. a... Hey, this, the whole part of the show was pros and cons, so everybody's making good points. Let me grab, a, grab another caller here from Arkansas, area code 479. Who we got here? Welcome to the show. Hi, Alan, Donna, Celeste Willis, hello, Jerry, Al. Oh, hey, Les. Hey, Les. I just wanted to throw something out there. That, uh, and maybe I can give some uh, some ammunition to uh, my good friend Jerry. 
isn't it strange that MAP 21 ATA was propositioning to go to, wasn't it 97,000 pounds? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it increased yeah, to a 96,000 and increase on the pup size to 33 feet. And basically they got turned down in MAP 21. Uh, Congress turned it down and blocked it. The interesting yeah. thing here for me is the ATA's request, uh, they quote, and I'm just going to read their quote, federal one size fits all regulation prevents trucking companies from using their safest, cleanest, most pavement-friendly vehicles where such use would be appropriate. ATA believes that states, not the federal government, are in a better position to, dumber, to determine whether these more productive vehicles should be allowed to operate on their highway systems. Congress mm -hmm. should reform federal law to give states greater flexibility. So wasn't it back in 1990 where the speed limits, were, the federal speed limit went away and it was up to the states to set their own speed limits? Actually, Les, let me jump in there on something. That never was a federal speed limit. I was there when that happened. Nixon came out with the idea to say, if you all that, we'll go to a 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. The states came in and exercised states' rights. The federal government cannot impose a speed limit. The way the federal government got away with it was threatening withhold highway funds. They twisted the arms of the states to go to 55. It was never a 55-mile-an-hour federal speed limit. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The one thing, don't you think that ATA is positioning itself to, as a backdoor entrance by introducing this petition to petitioning FMCSA and HTSA for uh, a speed limiter? I mean, it just bleeds with um, just a backdoor entrance because when you take productivity away, you you now you know I I think it was Adam that was saying we're all going to be on a level playing field. Well, that will never happen. There will never no. be a level playing field in the trucking industry. Now you can well, put speed limiters, you can do whatever you want, but there will never be a level playing field. I could take this to another level less. Well, Remember, me, every me. one of these ATA members are in essence competitors. They're no yep. different than OPEC trying to control pricing by controlling production. In a way, they're hiding behind safety, and in a way, they're colluding to manip manipulate the marketplace. In every other generation in history since the early 1900s, that was a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Right. Yeah, the other, to Adam's point, um, he was talking about the length of the stopping distance in tractors, you know, 60 miles an hour, a truck's going to stop sooner, blah, blah, blah. Um, is the truck going to stop sooner at 80,000 pounds, or is it going to stop sooner at 97,000 pounds? So my point is, if ATA was so involved and so worried about the severity of crashes, why would they mm -hmm. be positioning Congress for an increase in the length of the vehicle by 10 feet, as well as 17,000 more pounds. Do you really think Absolutely. that that's what they're trying to do? No, they're trying to drive efficiencies in, into, their, into their business. That's what they're trying to do. 
They're and the only way that they can do you that is I, to take the, efficiency, take the efficiency from you and put it on them. So it's, it's allowing it's, uh, them to be competitive when they can't be. Here's another <laughs> interesting thing, too. How come in all the high-speed states out west, we're running anywhere from 108 to 112,000 pounds per unit? We're running Rocky Mountain doubles. UPS is running 75 miles an hour across Wyoming. They are actually, they are actually have the lowest accident re- frequency per mile in the high-speed states. We're running the largest, heaviest, and longest trucks in the U.S., Canada, because they run big right. ones, too. But what's wrong with this picture? How come there is no problem out there? Well, what, what well, is it? Well, hold on. Let's. Uh, I mean, Adam. Adam's. Uh, Adam's name was brought up a couple of times. I think we ought to give him an uh, opportunity to respond. Adam, uh, like to like to jump yeah. in, Adam. Well, one thing I noticed about um, the heavier weights, I used to haul trash, so I'd be a hundred and seven thousand pounds. But my trailer had extra axles, and extra axles mm-hmm. is extra set of brakes. So. I don't know all the numbers behind it, but when I drove the heavier weight, I, of course, drew, drove slower uh, for safety's sake. And um, we're really combining two different topics, really, uh, talking about higher weights. But um, as for that, that actually is a brilliant idea because I remember Jerry was talking about efficiency is going away. Well, let's kind of solve that problem because, hey, I don't mind hauling extra weight if they give me extra axles. And maybe that's another way to solve this efficiency loss. So the one kind of answers the other. So in a way, it's really good that Les brought it up. Well, what about the truck parking with all that, Les? I mean, we don't have enough truck parking now. Nobody brought that up tonight uh, about the truck parking. You're going to put more trucks on the road. Uh, You're going to need more parking. Now you've got speed limiters and people racing to get to the parking lots before they're full. Now you're talking about bigger trucks. How are they going to fit in the spots? So does that mean you have to have all different, um, you know, new new parking spots to accommodate heavier vehicles? I mean, the the whole thing to me is ridiculous. Unless, unless they're going to fix this truck parking problem, uh, adding another 50,000 trucks on the road is is just creating a, a crisis on top of a crisis. Yep. Right. Yeah, Donna, yeah. Donna, that's where the one-size-fit-all doesn't work in this country. Because just like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Adam is saying, Canada's a lot different than we are. You get out west, it's all flat. And the areas of the country I'm talking about is low traffic density. I would not want to see 112,000 12-axle trucks running up and down Interstate 81 or 80 or 81 in, in, in other areas of the country here. It has its areas, so this here we go to this one-size-fits-all approach. Actually, doesn't mm-hmm. fit what works in South Dakota and Montana and other areas, and works very well. It's efficient, it's safe, it's productive, all that kind of stuff. Doesn't work on Interstate 40 here in Tennessee because a 112,000-pound truck going up those mountains out west. There's a lot of load. They're down to 30 and 35 mile an hour pulling hills and going even as slow going down the hill. So it does work. So in essence, the 65 mile an hour, like let's just say in a level playing field, 
does not work in this continent. Well, I think right. the owner operators the are the ones would... who are going to get 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 it the worst here. If this happens, yeah. The other thing that I wanted to uh, put forth for everybody to kind of uh, do some research on, just to give you some food for thought, Google Autobahn in Germany. Oh, and mm-hmm. see what the crash statistics are there. Those trucks are limited to the right lane, right lane only. Mm-hmm. The one thing that you have to take in consideration is in Germany, no tractor trailers are allowed to operate during the weekend. Yep. So you can just imagine how many truck stops are completely filled up. You've got people that's just, you know, sleeping in their trucks, no facilities at, at the rest areas. It's unbelievable. Um, the things that, that are going on over there. So um, just Google it, look and see what I'm talking about. And uh, it, it, and if you want to go further, um, look at Australia. Um, commercial. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry that the gentleman um, 50, didn't call in tonight yeah. from Australia. Right. He was going to give us a, an earful um, about what's going right. on in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, single that. trailers can travel at a certain speed, and then the um, combination vehicles, um, I guess we call them LCVs here, um, pulling two trailers or more, you know, they're limited to 55 miles per hour or 50 miles per hour, whereas other trucks, mm-hmm. if you're pulling one trailer, you can go 60 or 65. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of weird, you know, when you start looking around, not just, you know, at Canada, and, and you know, we look at, I mean, hell, don't even go to Mexico, because I don't think there's any laws there, but anyway, um, start looking around at the different countries, uh, the ones that, that are tracked, um, and then also look at the um, commercial driver in Germany, look at his wages versus what they're bringing in from Spain, what they're bringing in from uh, the Philippines, the Filipinos. Um, look at the differential and the pay that these guys are doing. I mean, it, normally it takes a, a German commercial mo- motor vehicle driver three years to obtain all the credentials to be a, to hold a CDO. Three years. If you're following wow. too close. They fine you. I think it's upwards of almost six thousand dollars if you follow oh too close. So, uh, so they're it's pretty unbelievable. Strict. But if you start looking around and, and saying, "Okay, let's compare," you know, the United States to the rest of the world, you get a you get a brighter picture and a more clear vision of what is actually going on. And like I said, mm-hmm. if ATA was concerned about the severity of crashes, they wouldn't have propositioned Congress for 33-foot pup trailers and 97,000 pounds. Certainly they would add another axle, but it doesn't matter. At 97,000 pounds tra- traveling 65 miles an hour versus 80,000 pounds, the severity of the crash is going to be exponentially greater. doesn't right. matter what, you know, so. But anyway, right. that's yeah. all I had. Uh, no, hey, hey, sounds good. I appreciate it. Hang on with us here. Let me take a quick, uh, our final break. We'll come back and wrap it up. You know, we've got Jerry, Hal, and Les on the phone, all professional drivers. They are uh, uh, 
not too uh, up on this speed limiter proposal. We have Adam who is for it. So I'd like to take this last break, come back, and get y'all's final comments on um, those who are for it and Adam who is uh, uh, or Adam who's for it and the others who's not so for it. Get y'all's final comment after this last final break here. So hang with us. Uh, I thought that'd be interesting. We will be right back. Heads up, truckers. Are you looking for deals on trucks, trailers, parts, or equipment? Or maybe you need to sell something truck-related. Well, there's a great spot on the web where truckers deal with other truckers. No middlemen involved. That's why we call it TruckerToTrucker.com. There's no charge at all for looking. And if you want to place an ad for what you're selling, it's just $19.95. And it runs till it sells. So whether you're buying or selling, it's time to log on and take a look. TruckerToTrucker.com. Check it out. That's TruckerToTrucker.com. Hey everybody, Alan Smith here, and I want to tell you about TruckerLawyers.com. TruckerLawyers.com helps drivers with their legal needs, and they specialize in workers' compensation, trucking accidents, employment law, and other areas. TruckerLawyers.com arms you with important information regarding workers' compensation and your legal rights, and they are also available to help you find assistance for additional legal issues. This includes determining how to get you the best benefits possible for your situation. The website truckerlawyers.com is a resource where you can learn more about your legal rights as a driver. Feel free to continue the social media conversation by liking them on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash truckerlawyers and follow them on Twitter as at truckerlawyers. Call them to talk through your questions at 1-800-736-5503. here tonight pros and cons but we usually don't get you know someone who's for something someone who's against us I, I think know. I think uh, a lot of times are uh, <laughs> just a little afraid to come on here but that's why I'm so glad Adam's on here because it's been a good conversation uh, you know he's for it the others are against it I like to get everybody's uh, final thoughts maybe you can just wrap it up with your primary reason as to why you're for the speed limiters why you're not uh, not for it. So, uh, Les, hey, let's start with you, and uh, you can take it whichever direction you like. Well, I would just say that, you know, if the speed limiter of what they're trying to do, any professional driver, if he is running a speed limiter, any professional driver actually drive five miles an hour slower than what he's governed at because he has to leave himself an out. So now, if you look at the speed limits that are out on the highways and the differential speed, now we're talking another five miles per hour slower than what the traveling public or what your speed limit is, is set at. Um, I think if the um, FMCSA says they're 60, 65, and 68, so basically we're, we're going to be in that area some, somewhere now they did say that the you know plus or minus five percent variance on whatever speed limit or, or speed that they set. Um, so 
now we're talking a, a greater um, increase in the differential speeds because the professional driver understands he has to travel underneath that speed to give himself the options that he had before. So uh, I am against speed limiters at any speed. It doesn't matter if it's 60 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour, whatever. It, I'm against the speed limiters on any truck, whether it's mechanical, electronic, really matter. Uh, speed limiters are, are nowhere that I feel are, are nowhere needed in the industry. I just think they're unsafe. With all the, the data and the studies, um, I don't see how how they can do it. I would think if they are pressured enough to do it, I'm going to I'm gonna guess that they're going to make it 68 uh, so that it's not that 10, 10 miles an hour uh, differential from the, um, from the 75 speed limit. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, who knows how much politics play in this. Um, okay, hey, Hal, uh, for, against it, primary reason as to why either way. What do you think? I'm against it because it's not safety-related. It won't work on a related base. It just won't work on a safety-related basis. The speed differentials will be too much, especially when you end up getting into states that go upwards of 80, 85 miles an hour. And the chances for an accident are just going to increase that much more. Okay. I, I, I'm, I, after everyone's done, I'm going to throw my two cents in. <laughs> All right. And, uh, uh, Jerry, now to you. I think I probably know where you're going, but for against it, primary reason why. What do you think? I'm against it because it's not for safety reasons. It's marketing. I'll just read quickly a little bit of what I wrote here. If you really sure. want to reduce the accidents that cause the cost of accidents, looking to the training and the unethical, illegal, immoral recruiting schemes, schemes such as indentured servitude, contract labor, truck leasing, just plain exploiting employees by these ATA truckload carriers. They are the masters of luring unsuspecting, hardworking, unemployed citizens into these schemes. It's no secret these are the companies that have had chronic turnover problems for the 30 years since deregulation. Then down here, this governing of speed will have no effect on the traveling speed of trucks on non-interstate highways, where studies prove that most accidents occur. Now I'll end it here. An experienced professional truck driver's state of mind is where safety is either the priority or it fails. The experienced professional should be able to determine himself the safest speed better than anyone. This is why the large ATA truckload employers are pushing for governed truck speed, because they know their whole human resource system is constructed around the inexperienced driver that cannot determine often enough safe speed. Rest my case. All right. Okay. All right. I think we got the point there. And uh, and last but not least, Adam, hey, glad to have you here as everybody. And um, you may be the lone wolf out here on the show, but we're glad you yeah. did. What do you? What's your final thoughts here? For or against it? Primary reason why? Go ahead. I am for speed limiters, and I believe it is for safety. Uh, before it came to Canada, I was really against it. 
I was very vocal. But it came, I got used to it, and I love it. And let's just be honest, we have laws because people can't be trusted. If people did the mm-hmm. right thing, we wouldn't have drunk drivers. We would, everybody would wear their seatbelt. Nobody would speed. People wouldn't cut people off. There wouldn't be road rage. But we can't trust people. And speeding trucks, that's dangerous. So if we can slow some of these really fast trucks down with the speed limiter law, well, let's just do it. It'll make the world a safer place. Thank you. Okay. All right. Hey, thank you. And glad. I mean, you know, this is a speed limiter open forum, the pros and cons. You so we a lot of a lot of a lot of listeners on the line. I haven't uh, mentioned any of you here, but I see you're all over here. You're listening. Appreciate you joining us and uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation with all professional drivers, Adam, Jerry, Hal, and Les. And uh, Donna, I'll go to you as the last one, for or against, and the uh, primary reason why, since you have so many years of experience out there on the road. <laughs> okay, this is sarcasm. Um, okay, well, <clears throat> I just want to say that, oh, my phone's blowing up over here. Um, OIDA has uh, something they, they sent to everybody. They had an article out. And it stated that they're trying to sneak speed limiters into the into some kind of spending bill. And in an email we got, um, it said proponents of speed limiters are attempting to enact a congressional mandate, even though it has not been a single committee hearing in either chamber devoted to speed limiters and their effect on safety. So... Um, the the email they sent to us because we live in Florida is we are urging OIDA members to call their lawmakers and educate them about the real dangers of speed limiters. So it's up to us to do that. And of course they tell us us Marco Rubio's he also serves on the Senate Transportation Committee. So um, uh, the congressional committee this is the c- congressional committee that authorizes trucking legislation and oversees FMCSA and NHTSA. So we will definitely be calling Marco uh, Rubio for that. Is yours dying or mine dying? Mine is. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Alan's phone's dying, so I guess we're going to wrap it up. But um, And anyway, I was hoping he was going to be our next president, so I'll just have to throw that in there. Um, Anyway, so everybody needs to call up because they're trying to sneak in uh, this, um, I guess, this spending bill. I don't know what it is. I'm going to have to research it a little more. But anyway, um, that's my two cents, and I'm sticking to it. I don't have the – Alan, are you able to use the the switchboard? Uh, Yeah, but I need your phone. Okay, hold on. I mean, are you all done? Yeah. You said what you wanted to say. Yeah. That's the first time phones ever died. But, hey, okay, so you got everything in you wanted, Donna? Yeah. All right. Well, listen, hey, we appreciate it. It was a good show. Uh, Adam, Jerry, Hal, Les, uh, everybody listening, uh, appreciate you tuning in. We will uh, leave you with um, Brad James, another fellow trucker, doing uh, detention time along with the tune of Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. So, Hope everybody have a great evening, uh, drive safe, and we will uh, see you next time right here 
on Ask the Trucker Live. You've been listening to Ask the Trucker Live with Alan Smith. On behalf of Alan and Donna Smith, AskTheTrucker.com, TruckingSocialMedia.com, NorthAmericanTruckingAlerts.com, Blog Talk Radio, and Ask the Trucker Live. I'm J. Michael Collins. Until next time, drive safe and thanks for listening. Yeah, I'll hold it.